Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's March 19th, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. David Fillion is on assignment. Please, remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Having said that, we certainly hope everyone had a great St. Patrick's Day, stayed safe, and enjoyed this past week's celebrations. Lots of them going on. I was in a place where they had a, uh, three police officers on every corner and, and horses running up and down the street, like a four-block town. <laughs> this is kind of amazing to watch. Anyhow, uh, there's a lot of celebrating going on. Uh, we have some announcements this evening. Uh, the first one It's reported that since January 20, 2017, over 2,000 new bills have been introduced into Congress. Uh, That's the first announcement. The second announcement, House Rule 1364, the Official Time Reform Act will will impact the pensions of federal employees who spend more than 80% of their time functioning as a union representative. Announcement number three, H.R. 861 has been introduced. This bill, one sentence long, quote, the Environmental Protection Agency shall terminate on December 31st, 2018, end quote. You'd note that that's after the midterm elections. Announcement number four, H.R. 610, changes how funding for public, private, and home schools is handled, giving vouchers for all students nationwide. Announcement number five, House Rule 899 terminates the Department of Education by December 31st, 2018. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos stated, it would be fine with me to have worked myself out of a job. Announcement number six, HJR 69 intends to repeal the rule protecting wildlife, killing certain animals for sport rather than necessity. Announcement number seven, House Rule 354 intends to defund Planned Parenthood, worthy of note on this issue, using federal funds for abortion is already prohibited by law by the Hyde Amendment. Announcement number eight, House Rule 785, introduces the National Right to Work Law. 
seen that with 33 states so far, I guess. Announcement number nine, House Rule 2881. This weakens the penalties for health and safety violations in the workplace. Announcement number 10, funding for the Meals on Wheels that provides meals for elderly shut-ins slated to be gone. Announcement number 11, funding for the free lunch programs in schools that provides lunch for some students, often the only meal they get during the day, slated to be gone. Announcement number 12, funding for the 21st Century Program. This provides after-school programs for latchkey kids, slated to be gone. You'll know who to blame when they, new to new to the idle time they have, will start to break into your house while you're still at home because they're hungry. Announcement number 13. Regarding the Ryan health care plan that intends to repeal and replace the Affordable Health Care Act, UAW President Dennis Williams released a statement that in part said, this is a bad bill for working Americans and takes us in the wrong direction. I'll have more on that later in the show. Announcement number 14. Last week in Gurgaon, India, 13 workers were convicted of murder. It seems that due to an apparent improper discipline, they were so motivated as to capture Awash Kamir Deev, the senior human resource manager, set him on fire, beat and bludgeoned to death with steel rods. Others wounded included some foreigners and policemen. The police had originally arrested 148 people in connection with this murder. While working for a living does not condone any such violence, we would point out the glaring obvious. You can only push people so far. So the announcements appear to speak for themselves with all the changes proposed in Congress in the first uh, 60 days of the new administration. Uh, we had one email. Uh, Jeff, David, and Leroy, I am embarrassed at my retired sisters and brothers here in Florida that worked union their whole lives, yet voted for Trump to make America great again. Now as I watch some of them, when the daily news comes from uh, news from Trump comes out, and it's not making America so great after all. I've actually seen a tear or two in some of their eyes. In your opinion, in your team's opinion, what is going to happen next? Are we really in that much trouble? By the way, there are a lot of us listening these, these days. That's from Herb in Florida. 
Herb, it's really nice to hear from you again. And, uh, you really kept us up to date when there were a lot of things going on in the Florida area when they had the, the uh, uh, assaults there and people were getting shot in these bars and things. Well, we really appreciated that update back last year, and it's nice to hear from you again. It's good to hear that more and more people are listening in the retiree ranks in the Florida area, so thank you, everyone there. Uh, you're asking us if uh, what's going to happen next. We don't have a crystal ball. We're watching just like you guys are. Uh, and are we really in that much trouble? Yeah, I guess it sort of speaks for itself, uh, Herb, everything that's going on. I can tell you this. In the contract of 2015, all De Detroit 3 companies and we have this posted at the top of our page, Working for a Living Facebook page. You're welcome to go see that anytime you want. Uh, you have to join the page to see it. Uh, uh, it says that, you know, they have effectively put things in our contract that will cut the pensions by at least 50% upon an 80% funding. I can tell you, in 2015, the General Motors pensions were funded 100%. Last year, in 2016, they used September 30 as the trigger date, for the, uh, uh, the date that they use to, to assess this. September 30, it was down to 91%. That's kind of in a flat stock market year and uh, up to then. So it's 91%. It fell 9% in a flat market year, even though later in the year it, it bounced quite a bit. Uh, I guess our low in late October was 17,800. We're bouncing around 21,100 now, I believe. Um, I'd have to look exactly, but that was our high, 21,100-ish. Uh, so... Any uh, fall below 80% would trigger a 50% cut in pensions. You get 50% of the lesser of what the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation give you or your vested portion of your pension, the lesser, and that's the vested portion. So they don't take into consideration, for those of you under 62, they don't take into consideration the supplement. Okay, so just know that. Uh, it's, uh, you know, is it going to get, you know, worse? And <laughs> I guess in, uh, you're asking, are we in that much trouble? Well, given that the pensions are at risk right now, uh, yeah, we're in trouble. We have appealed that, and that appeal was turned down at the highest level the pension uh, at the public review board of the UAW. And we're taking a look at going further with that. All right. Uh, so that's about it. Herb, thanks for your uh, your email. It seems to be sort of on, on track here. You always hit the nail on the head, and uh, we appreciate hearing from you. Uh, up next uh, is this week in worker news. Uh, we'll go with our week's weekly quote. As this is National Women's History Month, it is only fitting to have a quote from a famous woman. 
This week's quote is, Courage is the price that life exacts for granting peace. That is from Amelia Earhart. She tried to circumnavigate the earth with her plane and went down somewhere in the South Pacific. Pacific. And uh, while people say they found her plane uh, and, and different things, they're not exactly sure. Uh, I guess the jury's still out on some of that, but she was not found for a good long while. Obviously, she was from a wealthy family, so they put on a big, big push to find her. This is from a very brave lady who lost her life trying to uh, explore things that hadn't been done before. So thank you, Amelia Earhart, for that quote this week. Uh, Let's see if uh, we have our... Brother Brown here tonight. Jeff, how you doing? Hello. I'm okay, everybody. Good, good. Little, nice to... A little sore. I broke a rib earlier in the weekend, so I'm a little sore. Oh, you broke a rib? Oh, jeez. I think I did see you say that. That's uh, <laughs> never never fun, and we, uh, we no. hope you're uh, recovered from that quick as you can. Uh, you're going to have a little more of a report on what's going on uh, with your stuff here in a bit. I think we have Art Peterson in the wings. He's going to be a special guest this evening and bring us up to date on his uh, uh, status of the appeal. Hi, Art. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Leroy. How are you? I'm good. The listeners are waiting with bated breath to hear from you about how this went in the end. Uh, Go ahead and begin to uh, cover this and give us a recap from the beginning, if you would, Art. Uh, I would. For for those who are listening and and aren't aware of it, um, in November of 2015, at the conclusion of the uh, Ford, UAW Ford ratification vote for the national contract, I filed a protest and request for a recount at Local 600. Um, that was November 24th when I did that, two days after the the uh, conclusion and, and the reporting of the, the, the results. I never got an answer to that, so on December 7th, I filed a, an official appeal of, of the whole process, laid out a number of different reasons for, for the appeal. Um, including uh but not limited to the uh, the the ballots were were not numbered the, the there was no privacy boost there's there's a whole list of different uh things uh no signatures or initials were taken as the voters names were crossed off the membership list the election rules also specifically speak to campaigning at or near the ballot boxes and essentially the, uh, the the ballot boxes were 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 places for for bargaining reps and other people to hover and, and push the yes vote. Bottom line is, I, I filed an appeal, took it through the local and the, the international steps, and when it got to the public review board, my hope was that somebody with intelligence would see that there was some. Uh, Validity to what I was saying, um, 
the public review board on December, um, like a, a year and a month after that uh, appeal was was filed, the public review board issued a 17-page statement, um, basically finishing by the stating there's there's no remedy necessary in this case because there's no evidence of any serious violation of the union's democratic principles. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but when when you have the ethical practices codes of the UAW Constitution saying that that uh, they must maintain adequate safeguards in all their operations, and they don't do that, literally there's there's no safeguards at all at the local 600 uh, ratification vote. Uh, they didn't know. They couldn't tell me how many ballots they started with, how many blank ballots they started with, how many ballots they had left over when they were done with the voting. Uh, they 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 didn't verify the number of of ballots used and and cast to the number of members that voted. Essentially, they they didn't do anything to to verify their their numbers, as well. The, the, for the public review board to state that there's no evidence of any serious violation, when, when in fact the the, pub, the 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 official record of my appeal had no ballots or membership lists or nothing to verify the the counts that that they were claiming, anyways, they 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 the whole thing it, there there wasn't any evidence at all on on the on the locals' part in regard to their their side of the case. I, right. I Are, just, didn't didn't they just, collect ballots in buckets? They in in some places they yes in, in some areas they they had uh, the the buckets the the the, the cans the, the ballot cans whatever were were stationary but there was other places where and and the, the both the the uh, local president Bernie Rickey, as well as the maintenance and construction unit president Tom Schultz, both talked about having to go from from building to building and and, and work site to work site, carrying buckets, trying to collect ballots. In fact, there was even a, a there was a there was an appeal filed by another another gentleman who who. Uh, asked to observe the counting of the ballots in the process of observing the counting of the ballots he saw bundles of ballots coming out of the buckets that he in his words couldn't possibly have gotten into the buckets individually um, and and during my appeal I, I brought the gentleman in as well to, to, to speak to, towards what he saw and in, in the the Local 600 election committee chairperson stated that those those ballots probably got folded together when he when he used the yardstick to to push the the ballots down and make more room in the buckets that that uh, they were collecting ballots in. Um, the Dearborn Truck Plant. Yeah, let, yeah. let me ask you another question, Art. Uh, sure, sure. In, in the uh, counting of the ballots in the end. Uh, from between the local, because there was a, a, a national election going on uh, for a ratification of a national agreement, and also at simultaneously 
a ratification for the local union uh, bargaining agreement. Uh, didn't you find out in your research uh, that the difference in the national agreement and the local agreement numbers was exactly 500 ballots, and that's the ream of paper, is it not? Did that, is that what you yeah. found, and isn't that the paper? <laughs> Yes, in fact, when when the when the uh, at the Dearborn truck plant, one of the units that make up the uh, amalgamated local 600, they they had they conducted a national the national voting at the same time they conducted voting for the local agreement. Each each uh, production employee was handed two ballots when they when they uh, when they were given their ballots and checked in. They were given a local ballot and a national ballot. When the counting was over and they posted the counts for the, the, the Dearborn truck plant, it showed exactly 500 more national ballots cast than local ballots cast. Uh, at the same time, when, when during the process of my appeal, Tom Schultz, again, the, 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 the uh, president of the maintenance and construction unit of Local 600, he uh, he stated during the general council meeting in, in March that that uh, the, by using buckets they were able to collect quadruple the number of ballots they collected this year or that, that during that vote compared to the last time. He said they collected almost 600 ballots by using buckets. Coincidentally, when the, the international showed. Submitted their their tally sheet. The maintenance and construction unit had 897 ballots, showing that they counted. So there's 300 ballots manufactured there somehow. Um, you know, the the bottom line is there's a lot of evidence submitted by me that 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 wasn't refuted. That they didn't dispute the the 500 ballot difference. They they tried to explain it away. By saying that there was there there was a number of local ballots le left on the floor that that people even though they were given two ballots they only they only filled out the national ballot and and dropped the other one on the floor that just wasn't the case there wasn't that many ballots that missed the bu the, the buckets they just somehow manufactured 500 extra ballots again I just thoroughly. Um, I was real surprised. I, I thought, sure, that the Public Review Board, being the, the, the college professors and intelligent people that they're supposed to be, would, would issue a statement saying that the, there is no evidence, no, no, no remedy required because there's no evidence of, of violation when, in fact, they, they, they never answered the, uh, the lack of safeguards. And, and in fact, when they when they were questioned, most most often the, when the local during the the hearing that I had in May, the the local standard answer was there's no rule against that. There's no rule in the, the constitution against uh, campaigning and electioneering over over top of the ballot buckets. They they said there's there's no rule that says the ballots need to be numbered or counted. You know the only the only rule is that they they whatever procedure they use has to be approved by the regional director. Unfortunately, or 
I guess fortunately on their part, they overlooked the fact that there's nothing in the official record showing that the regional director did approve what they what they did. They, right. They didn't, have, uh, Art, didn't you, uh, in your uh, investigation on your own behalf, uh, ask the regional director for, I believe it's Article 50 that, that requires that they uh, have an approved procedure uh, by the international if it's not conducted uh, you know, in a, another way, they, but the procedure has to be approved by the international. And you asked to see such a document, and they during the, invest, the original investigation before the second step into the IEB, uh, uh, did you uh, get an answer that's, that uh, affirmed that they had a, an a, a official uh, procedure that's been approved and signed? By some, well, you know, the international executive board is supposed to approve it, but in, you know, we would stipulate. I imagine you, you would stipulate that it would have to come at least from the regional director, uh, and you requested that. Did you get an affirmative answer? What answer did you get? I, I sent a letter to both the local and regional director at the end of January 2016, at requesting a copy of not only the copy of the alternative procedure but a copy of you know some something uh signifying that the, the regional director did in fact approve it in the date of that approval um the letter that i re i received back from the the regional director and it's part of the official record was a, was a letter telling me that i needed to t take my appeal to the back to the local that it was, i was premature contacting them and the letter I sent to him wasn't a wasn't an appeal at all it was a request for information he had the opportunity um, the regional director had an opportunity throughout the the year-long process that I that I went through in my appeal had had numerous opportunities to to um, answer the question about him approving it of, of, of course the re the recording secretary and the local 600 in response to my appeal claimed that they had his approval but but when i asked to to to, to see something or when i asked the regional director for for confirmation of that i was told there's there's nothing in, nothing in the constitution that says that any of that stuff needs to be in writing <laughs> i'm sorry but how do you prove anything how do you go along with anything when, when nothing has to be in writing. And so you the asked line, for it. Yeah, you, so re, to recap, recap a little bit, you asked for this letter of approval because that's how we typically run the union business. At least that's how it's been run as long as I've been around, except for the last few years that I'm watching this stuff go on in our union. That you actually ask for approval and it's granted by in writing, uh, and you asked for it. And to be clear, you did not get it, and it was not ever represented that they had one, even to this day, after the final decision, uh, after reconsideration of a final decision uh, from the uh, public review board. Is that not correct? You, there's still no evidence of that documentation. You're 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 right on right on track there, Leroy. I, I requested 
for something, okay. whether it be I, in writing or I, I even requested. I even requested that okay, if if it's not in, if the procedure's not in writing, and you got approval over the phone, give me something, you know, to to back that up. You know, sh- show me something that that shows because. Both the international uh, executive board. Phone call at a d- certain date and time received from the international approving well, such yeah. process. Yeah, something like that. They, they, yeah. they, 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 could, they could not produce that either. either. You know, okay. um, I'm I got sorry, another question. I'm, 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 I've, I've got a line of, line of thought that I'm going down here, Art, so if you bear with me just a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, so. We know that it's in the Constitution that they have to get an approval for the process. We That's correct. know that that was never given in writing and is never given in uh, any other form that says that we received it in a certain time, certain. So, And that's not been produced yet. And that is in the Constitution that that, that, that is required. So That's correct. My next question is: Didn't the Public Review Board, in its answer to you, say there was no constitutional basis for this appeal being uh, affirmed in your behalf? Did they make that statement? That's correct, Leroy. Um, their their okay. last. Their, just give me just one second. Sure. Their their last. Their last uh, their last correspondence with me was was a was a one one sentence letter basically denying reconsideration the arguments presented by the appellant in support of the, his request for reconsideration were considered by the public review board in their initial review of the appeal. The decision of the Public Review Board dated December 19th stands by direction of the above constituted panel. Of course, there's there's no there's no signatures on here from the the the, the sitting uh, Public Review Board panel, so I I'm I'm just assuming that this letter came from them. Um, you know, the, again, Leroy, I had a conversation with with uh, with uh, the uh, the financial secretary, who was actually Mark DePauli, gave uh, testimony at the hearing in, in in May of 2016. And when I asked him about the about, uh, I, I actually asked the the, the the meeting in as a whole for that documentation. And Mark Mark pulled me to the side and said, "Art, you're asking for documents that don't exist." And I said, Mark, I know that. I'm just trying to get you guys to put that in, on, in writing, because I, I know they don't exist. Because you know, you never got the approval. Oh yeah, we did. We we called him up. We called him up, told him what we were going to do, and he said, Go ahead and do it. You know, I could just see me telling my boss, Well, my my doctor gave me the day off. I called him up. He said, Take it off, Art, and so I did. We're trying to tell labor relations. Trying to tell labor relations that I that I stubbed my toe on the way in, and and, and I called my boss, and you know, he, I might not have had it in writing, but my boss gave me the day off. Yeah. 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 Okay. So so 
let's just complete this circle here just a little bit. Constitution, Article 50 says there's, they need to have a procedure. Yep. And you requested that procedure. You never yep. got it. They can't never give you time certain, date and time certain. They said, when they, they received that approval, you've asked them any number of times throughout this process, some 15 months later, 16 months later, and it was never uh, discovered that that was the case. And then we have an august, and I use that term lightly, uh, once again, an august group of uh, law professor uh, uh, law attorneys that are law professors that sit on our public review board, four of them, that said there's no constitutional basis for any problem that you may have uh, then given uh, for your, eth uh, this is an ethical, uh, ethics appeal, uh, and no constitutional basis for it. So given all of those things, those three things, it's based in the Constitution that you, you asked and didn't receive it, and then they said there's no constitutional basis for it, don't you think there's something rotten in Denmark with the public review board? Leroy, again, I, I had hope and, and all the way through this process, faith that when, once this got to the public review board, somebody with intelligence would would look at what was, what was going on and say, yes, something's wrong. Instead, yeah. we got to the public review board and, and they basically rubber stamped everything that the international said. Um, they, yeah. they they made excuses for them during their discussion. They 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 literally they they tried muddying muddying the waters. They they started bringing up other cases that had absolutely nothing to do with with my case, and and tried to use it as example for why they weren't able to to do anything about this. Yeah, they went I, I, yeah, go ahead, Art. They they went as far. There's there there was one one spot where where I during my during my uh, appeal with the international and with the, the president's office at those stages I questioned some some uh, statement they made because the basically the the international cited a case where it said Article 19 gave the membership. The, the ability to re re reject or approve the ratification procedures. And, and what they said, and, and if you give me just a second, what they said, Leroy, was that – give me just a second, Leroy, I'm sorry. Okay, what they said you're is looking that it up. Yeah. The uh, – Mr. Peterson has asked us to explain the basis for our assertion in the in the Shotwell opinion quoted by the International that Article 19 provides the membership with the means of rejecting ratification procedures. And what they say say in that paragraph says if the ratification procedures put in place to obtain the membership's approval of a negotiated contract are deficient in any respect, the membership can reject the contract. Well, if the ratification procedures are biased or fraudulent and allow the, the 
the allowed them to come up with a passing ratification vote rather than a uh, a rejected vote by fraud, then how are you supposed to reject the procedures by by rejecting the contract? From what from what they put out, that contract was rejected prior to going to local 600. That the the national vote had had the the the, the Ford agreement reject rejected by uh, by a two and a half to three percent margin. Um, after tallying up local 600's numbers, they passed it, and they passed it with fraudulent numbers. The bottom line is they stuffed that ballot box, and, and they didn't have any any safeguards in 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 play to 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 stop them from doing that. To say that if we want to reject the procedures, we all we have to do is reject the, the, the reject the contract is is double talk. How do you reject yeah. the procedures if if, you, if you, you can't stop them from stuffing the ballot box? Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, so uh, the in your opinion and in in mine as well, <laughs> uh, this public <laughs> review board final decision of their reconsideration of uh, their final decision uh, is, uh, your opinion, incorrect and highly suspect. Would you not say that? Well, you know, again, Leroy, the, the request, my request for reconsideration, which, which came about after they rejected my, the, the Public Review Board put out that 17-page document in December of 2016 saying that, you know, standing behind the International Executive Board, the final the final step for me was the request for reconsideration. I, I submitted a six-page document requesting that, and a, a large part of that was, was because they didn't, the, the Public Review Board's a big part of their case was based on them being able to them being able to do the procedures any way they wanted as long as they had the approval of the regional director. My request for reconsideration pointed out that they had nothing in the record showing that they had that, and they still they they still right. denied it. So so you know I pointed out to the public reward. I gave them the the opportunity to to say, oh yeah, we 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 don't have anything showing that approval, and in fact they don't. And they still came back with it. So, as far as I'm concerned, this impartial public review board is there's there's no impartiality to it. Um, they they rubber stamped what what they were given by the international. They rubber stamped what was given given by the the local. And, and you know there is no impartiality there, Leroy. The, 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 yeah. the, the public I, review I, board is, is crooked. I tend to agree with you, Art. I know that in most cases. The true measure in a courtroom would be what would reasonable people say about this, given all the facts? What would reasonable people? And I don't give a tinker's damn about their credentials. When they don't follow that test and that measure, they are not worth their salt 
You know, these are the kind of people that sit on this public review board that will use it for the resume when a judge position comes open. Because they got, they really do have resumes, you know, 8, 10, 12 pages long. But when you do this to working men and women and say that you're impartial, you lose any and all credibility. And they'll use this sitting on our impartial public review board as a springboard to a judgeship. And i got to tell you something. I wouldn't want any one of these people sitting in judgment of me in a real courtroom. Not one of them. Art, I, I, if you want to, if you want to name their names, they're public anyhow. This isn't anything that's not public. If you want to just name their names on air here, feel free to do so. Well, Leroy, you know, again, the letter that I received shows the sitting public review board panel of, of Professor Janice R. Belays. Chairperson Professor James J. Brudney, Professor Harry C. Katz, and Professor Maria L. Ontiveros. But there's no signatures on any of that. So these could very well be sent by the the staff at the Public Review Board with the Public Review Board not ever seeing anything. I, I don't know. Yeah, so I guess they, they have plausible deniability now, don't they? So we, if really yeah. called on, they say, well, we didn't do that. Somebody else didn't put our name on it. Another bunch of hokey stuff out of our, our leadership. So uh, our, I, I'm, as you are, I'm thoroughly disgusted with them. This is the third public review board case in, in the last uh, four months, four, three months it's come to the uh, – it's their conclusion, full conclusion, and they are despicable human beings hiding behind academic credentials that are worthless, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, no argument here, Leroy. I, 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 one, one, I guess one last thing, and what, what I, I think everybody needs to uh, take away from this, especially right now with, with elections coming up with those people that are in place or that those incumbents that incumbents that put all this stuff out to us that that slate needs to be wiped clean the whole slate the entire international yep. executive board including the legal department and the constitutional department I understand, Art. We understand as a team. We're, we're absolutely disgusted with what we're seeing. Believe me. Our team is disgusted with what we've seen these last three and a half months from the, this uh, supposed impartial uh, authority over what goes on in our union. So, uh, Art... Uh, you know, I want to take a second. I think we fully aired this in to, to the point where everybody understands it. Uh, I want to thank you because I, I, you know, I mean, my phone would ring in the middle, <laughs> middle of, uh, and you'd be in in the middle of summer and at just about any time. Uh, and I'm always happy to take your call, by the way. Uh, but you'd be uh, working away tirelessly on a, you know, on a 
uh, a deadline that you're required to meet, writing your responses and uh, asking questions and asking for proof and rereadings and things. And I'm happy to do that for you. Art, I know you put a lot of effort and energy in this. You poured your heart and soul into this because you felt you were right and the membership was uh, not served properly. And I want to thank you. I know all of our team thanks you for everything you've done in this regard. Uh, profusely, Brother Peterson, you stood tall in the face of obvious opposition, unnecessary opposition, to try and right a wrong. And thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts, really. Uh, Art, uh, I don't know if you got anything to say uh, anymore uh, to the listeners. Uh, we'll have you on anytime you want to come on and, and just talk about anything you want that you see might be an injustice. But uh, if you want to say anything to the listeners now, go ahead and jump out there, Art. If, if any of anybody wants to take a look, the the Public Review Board has put the official 17-page denial up on their website, you, you have to register and log in so that you can search, but it's case 1757. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, you can read it for yourselves and, and take a look at the, the literal double talk that they, they, they put out there. You know, um, they, they claim, they made the claim that they can do anything they want with the, the approval of the regional director but yet they, they take the documentation that, that, that that's not there in that regard. So, you know, I have your, let your listeners know or anybody that's listening to this, if you just do that search, case search 1757 on the Public Review Board's website, you can pull it up yourselves. I, I believe there's a number of the Facebook pages that have the, the other documentation. Coincidentally, you know, the, I, while I say this, the, the, the regional director's approval isn't part of the official record. The official record is close to 250 pages long. Um, there's plenty of room there. They could have they could have uh, answered at any time, and they didn't. So it's not for lack of asking for it. Uh, Lord knows there's there's enough documentation there to to weed through. The, um, anyways, that's all, Leroy. Thank you much for. For you and Jeff and David, for, for what you what you guys are doing with the the uh, talk show, and I appreciate all your hard work. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I mean, you had a lot of support from the listeners too, Art. Uh, you know, I don't know if you want to address that at all. I know you've been doing that. I just want to remind you a little. Uh, I I certainly. Uh, a, a big kudos goes out to uh, uh, a bunch of there was there was a point that last summer that uh, it, it went out to the public or excuse me to the listeners and and I had I had well over 50, 50 people that uh, sent letters to the public review board in my support. They they also part of their official their their denial was they they acknowledged that I had over 100 close to 150 supporters that that that, that signed the uh, 
my initial appeal. So they they knew my appeal wasn't coming from just me. Um, they they knew there was a, a whole lot of support behind it. So my my thanks to all those that out there listening that that, uh, that sent letters in and you know the, the there certainly was times they they wanted to make the 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 local the international the public review board they all want you to believe you're doing it alone but I know that's not the case Leroy. Yeah, thanks, Art. I mean, I know all the listeners that supported you uh, in writing or just in, in spirit, you know, you want to thank all of them, and I, I just know that's that's the case because that's the kind of humble man you are. So thank you for doing that, and uh, uh, we appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, you, you feel free to come on anytime, Art. I know you come in and try to listen almost every week. Uh, we really appreciate that, too. So uh, with that, we probably ought to get on with the show here a little bit. Okay, Art, thanks Thanks again. Thanks, Art. I'll put you back in listening mode now. Thanks. Jeff, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, What what do you think about, uh, you know, did you have anything you wanted to say about Art? Art's uh, stuff, I can bring him back on. He's he's in the wings if we need, if you want to ask him a question. No, I know all the information. It's just a damn shame that uh, there's so many corrupt individuals running our locals in Solidarity House. It just boggles my mind, and our membership needs to wake up and and fight back. Uh, it's we have to do uh, an answer to Herb's question. We have to organize the organize to fix things, and that's what we plan on doing, Herb. Um, it's a tough battle, but there are a few of us who are willing to do everything humanly possible at all costs to get things changed. Um, not just local 600. There's other locals involved, too. Um, it's just, you know, this is not what our... our Founders of the UAW, our grandfathers fought for, and it's just we're going in the wrong direction. And we need we need more people to stand up, speak out, and and join us, join the revolution, um, as as we say. Um, so Art Art says this stuff. I've known him for twenty nine years. He's, he's on top of it. He's one of those guys that are go-getters. He doesn't stop. And I'm proud to know him. Um, so, so I got an, an art situation. Okay, Jeff, you know, I, like you, I'm damn proud to know Art Peterson. I'll mm-hmm. tell you, he's a hell of a, yeah. hell of a man, hell of a union brother. And I'm damn yes, proud to know him. So, uh, uh, Having said that uh, about art and moving forward, I know you have a, a report from your own local union today on some things that may have gone on. You want to go out there and uh, get, uh, also uh, for those listening, uh, we're going to be going long tonight because there's just a lot going on. Uh, so know that we're going to go a little bit long. Uh, so if you 
you know, think this is going to be just an hour. It's going to be a little bit longer, but we'll try and keep it, you know, not too too much longer. But having said that, we still have three more uh, segments, uh, and you know, our our was a little bit long because that's a very serious issue. Uh, but we'll we'll uh, get in here and and talk about the re- the other three segments and, and wrap up the show. Uh, probably no later than quarter after. So just get a sense for that now. So, all right, Jeff, you want to go ahead and give your report? Yeah, um, last month, February 19th, we had our uh, local meeting. Um, There was a proposal for the upcoming elections. And what they were proposing isn't what the election committee wanted. Oh, it was what? Our, our president wanted to propose, and that was to have um, voting done on April, in April, um, and only at the union hall. Well, I was there at the meeting, first time I've been in a meeting in a while, and I got out the Constitution, an Article 32, paragraph, article, paragraph. Article 38, paragraph 2, um, all elections will be held in May or June, not April. Okay. Um, I read that part of the Constitution, and our president said he had a letter. Um, the meeting went on, and there was much discussion, um, much debate, and they at the time for last Sunday we had nominations. They were going to have the elections on April 19th. Only at the local. Um, so two weeks ago I went and asked I stopped by for you need on my way to work and asked for a copy of the letter they got from the international. Came from directly from uh, Dennis Williams' desk. And it was contingent on a couple items. One, it had to have membership action. So our president, he put in a request on January 6th to be able to have the election in April. So he didn't even have membership approval to even make that request from the international. That was one problem. Um, so then he tried to hide some other things and he told me I could have a copy of the letter and then uh, the next day I went down to the hall to pick up my copy the secretary of the local um, secretary at the local had it all sealed up a nice vanilla envelope with tape and everything and she said the president could get, let me read it and not take it home. Well, he, the day before he called, said I could take it, but he didn't want to put it on Facebook. So I opened the envelope, took the letter out of the envelope, handed her back the empty envelope, and I walked out with the letter. Um, today's meeting was very violent. Um, a lot of a lot of high emotions came about. There was four appeals as to uh, the voting dates and times at our local. 
the election committee even put in a uh, appeal. I put in an appeal. Um, there were a lot of arguments back and forth. I think people got confused on what was going on. There was so much talking going on. And it even come to a fist fight. The first time I've been in the community where there was actually, and it was started by our sergeant in arms, who was, a big, who was a very big man. And he was going after somebody half his size. Well, when it started, the other people jumped in and helped the brother out from the sergeant of arms. And there was some punches thrown. It took us a while to get order back into the meeting. Um, it was drug out, shooting, but I, Robert, was older. And it was one of the worst meetings I've ever been to in my life. Um, I felt the blood pressure going up, my own blood pressure going up. And, and it just, the president is so corrupt. I mean, I, I busted into my things. He's lied to people. He's twisted things around. He's got our sergeant at arms off doing duties that a chairman would do and watch smaller units inside the plant. He's listening to grievance hearings. He's not part of that. And he's the sergeant of arms is the one that started the fight. Um, after things calmed down, and we're still on a new business. I proceeded to uh, make it on record that I, also, I filed Article 31 charges against our president and handed it to our recording secretary during the meeting. Um, it was just, it was standing room only, and there was little kids in the room because there was some bad language being brought out in the fight. You know, it's. I thought I was going to be the one arrested <laughs> last week, but um, you know, I was really mad at what the president was trying to do. Um, he, want, he wanted. Time limits were very strange having me at the hall. Um, the day shift people would be at the hall voting, and then the night shift people would be stopping by on the way to work. And it was just border suppression because but the night shift would get there and all A shifts voting. They ain't going to stick around and vote. They're going back to the plan. And that's what our president wanted to do. And we still argue. There was a big appeal from our election committee. It was very lengthy. And they were correct. Everything they said. They offered a new proposal on the elections and they were going to have to check downtown to see if this new proposal was legal and because we had off nominations last week and some people argue that you know they should still keep the nominations as they are now but the election committee wanted a new date for a new set of nominations and that's what they were going to check downtown. And, uh, to say the least, everybody was upset. Everybody in the room was upset. 
and I felt sorry for the kids who had to had to see the fight. Um, I will be campaigning against that sergeant at arms because he he says he's a big man and he intimidates people, and you know, wrong person. He's that is not what the art sergeant at arms will be doing, not starting fights. Um, so I will I will vigorously campaign against this person. And if they do have nominations over again, you know, I might run against them. I don't know, I haven't made up my mind yet, but I thought about it. Um, they, they were just very disappointing. Everybody walked out of the hall after the meeting and scratching their heads, what the hell do we do? What happened in there? What's you know, what really got done? And nobody seemed to really care when I stood up and handed uh, my Article 31 charges against the president. Um, the room was quiet. Usually when I, talk, when I talk, the room does get quiet. Um, it's just, I'll know more about it going on uh, next month. We're having a meeting next month, a week later, because of the Easter weekend. Um, but it's just, it's bad. Everybody wants this president out of office. And, yeah, I, um, I hear you, Jeff. Uh, I want to bring something up, given that you had this actual fist fight in front of little kids in your in your union hall today. I mean, it's one thing to have vigorous discussion. It's another thing to break it out into physicality. Um, Article 2, Section 4 states, to educate our membership in the history of the labor movement and to develop and maintain an intelligent and dignified membership. We weren't, as as a membership, in your, we, all of us, are part of this because we present ourselves to the general public as a union. We presented ourselves to some members, including little kids, in an undignified and unintelligent way today. And since it is the duty of the president of the local union to enforce the Constitution, it is his in this case his, job to develop and maintain an intelligent and dignified membership. That's his job to maintain control as chair of the meeting. It's his job to make sure that his team, his team, is intelligent and dignified. And behind the scenes, you hear this person, Leroy McKnight, saying such things, we have to be, you know, hold ourselves to a higher standard sort of stuff. And please don't make that a goal (laughs) kind of stuff. Okay. You know, and um, so we're doing it here, but he failed to do it. And I suggest that you amend your charges to include violation of Section 2, Article 2, Section 4. I can do that. Okay. I can do that. So, 
I've, I've seen your mm-hmm. charts. Yeah, so I'd, I'd amend them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I. Uh, I. Kind of got that it was going to be vigorous there. I didn't think it would actually break out into physicality, and especially in front of little children. And the vulgarity's not, you know, I mean, it's going to slip once in a while. I mean, sure. no one's perfect. It slips. We all kind of get it when that occurs. Uh, and, and you know, on Hunter Facebook page, sometimes there's a meme that comes out that that has you know some foul language on it, and it you know without it it didn't didn't it would lose its meaning. So when those things occur, you know we're not we're not that picky uni, uh, you know. But this is this is serious, this is serious, and it's not a game. And when you know somebody slips a little bit, that's one thing, but to get into it that heavy is just it you know we're that's. Unacceptable, and those people need to go. Art said it right. You know, everybody that's in our leadership right now that's supporting all of this, all of this that we've been talking about needs to go. They just need to go from the top international executive board all the way down through the whole whole local unions. Every one of them need to go because in my own local union, in my own local union, I I filed an appeal. They just ignored it. Now there's only so many, <laughs> so so many. I mean, that was for the uh, the, the uh, uh, pension uh, the, uh, appeal on the uh, ratification vote, uh, and and how they had people that were not in the pension plan voting on the pension plan information, and that occurred because of the 2007 rift that the the uh, international executive board forced down our throat in the 2007 agreement that didn't take into consideration that they shouldn't be voting on pension matters, that people that are not in the pension. Um, but they ignored my appeal. But there's only so many article, you know, appeals that you can throw out there. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I didn't appeal it. But I'm not done with them. I'm not done with them, not by a long shot. Uh, having done that, and th- these are the kind of people that need to go. They just simply need to go. Your president, his whole team that he can't control, doesn't care about controlling, need to go. Okay, his sergeant of arms, his sergeant of arms, should have been under control. He should have admonished him going in to say, "Look, I know you're going to be exercised about this." But you have to remain dignified and, uh, and act in an intelligent manner and address problems, not create them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's all I have to say about your report, uh, Jeff. Uh, unless you have anything else to add on your own behalf there, we'll move on to the next segment. Well, now we okay. can move on to the next segment. I'll have more for you next month um, when we find out what exactly is going to happen now. Um, right. But, uh, right. Especially right. with, with the, uh, the uh, Article 31 charges, too, I'm really hoping to see that he gets removed from office. Um, Did somebody make a motion mm-hmm. that pending the end of the trial that he should be uh, stepped down? No, from? it seemed like there was so much confusion going on prior to me doing that. I think I left the room speechless. 
Um, yeah. I, I did okay. include that in in the in the charges. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, when they consider them, they'll have to have to uh, do that, and that'll be next month. Uh, yeah. or, or sooner if there's a special meeting on it, you know. So um, let's get on to our fe- featured story. Uh, we have uh, a roundtable discussion regarding House Rule 1313. Uh, this uh, bill, another bill that's been proposed, in addition to the ones we talked about early in the announcements, uh, uh, this is the coming threat to workers and their families due to proposed genetic testing. And this is something that really, really, really does uh, affect us and our children for all time. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything to say on this particular issue at the moment? Um. Not at this particular moment, but it's you know I tried to to get uh, life insurance um, a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't qualify because of a pre-existing condition that I have, a chronic condition. Um, so in the future, if this testing goes through or if it gets passed, it could hurt somebody like me and others who have some type of uh, Illness or, or medical health condition. And, and Not just you, but your your offspring. Yeah, there's a yeah. predisposition for all time. Think about that. Right. Okay. Yes. I think we have somebody that's in the switchboard that's indicated that he has some uh, really good information on House Rule 1313. Uh, let me bring on Dan. Dan, are you there? Uh, yes, Leroy, I'm here. <laughs> Hi, nice, nice to have you on the show. Uh, welcome uh, to uh, Working for a Living radio show. And and uh, you indicated earlier that you had some uh, uh, knowledge on this particular issue, and you'd like to educate the listeners about it. You'd like to take a shot at just running running that out for us. Yes, first of first of all, I'd like to say I agree. This has got to be one of the most understated, but over and far-reaching bill that will affect every worker, not just unionized or those with health care. It even impacts those that have no health care under this genetic testing. But let me read you off some of the notes I have. House Bill 1313, also known as the Preserving Employer Wellness Programs Act. Again, a nice sugary thing like right to work. The House Committee on Education and the Workforce passed H.R. 1313 in March with all 22 Republicans voting for passage and all 17 Democrats voting in opposition. Now, let's look at, in 2008, the Genetic Non-Discrimination Act, known as GINA, was passed prohibiting employers from using genetics testing for the purpose of employment and to limit or classify employees in any way. H.R. 1313 will be used to circumvent GINA, allowing employers to use your, as well as your family members, health, medical, habits, and other invasive personal information gathered by questionnaires or medical records. Now, this came about because the American, as part of the uh, new health care proposal to uh, eliminate uh, what they call Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, the American Benefits Council representing Fortune 500 companies 
and larger companies testified that GINA limited employers' ability to improve health and productivity. Now, under 1313, participation in employer wellness programs will remain voluntary. Employer names will not be used. However, employees of smaller companies could be more easily identifiable based upon the employer medical records and health questionnaires filed by the employee and their family information. H.R. 1313 would eviscerate the protections provided by GINA under the 1990 Americans with Disabilities Act and the Black Lung provisions of the Affordable Care Act. Employers would have the right to a 50% and act a 50% reduction in employee health care premiums or impose a 30% financial penalty for non-participation. So in other words, they can offer you a 50% discount if you're paying for your premiums or if you refuse to participate, they can impose a 30% financial penalty of your monthly premiums upon you. Employers employers that do not offer or provide health care may enact wellness programs and dock the employee's wages for non-participation in such programs enacted by their employers, even though the employer offers no health coverage. Now, the RAND Corporation and others have conducted research into employer wellness programs. Their findings concluded that some wellness programs do produce some improvements, but often doesn't produce a return upon the investments in the programs, nor do they create noticeable improvements in health or productivity. Employers would have the right to use their employers or employee, their family, health questionnaire, answers, private and invasive personal questions to create their programs. Examples, demand employees and family members to participate in weight loss, smoking sensation, exercise, et cetera, et cetera. It just goes on. And if you fail to meet your goals, they could enact that penalty. Uh, genetic testing firms are largely unregulated. Third parties that may see or sell your information to marketers and they have the ability to see and collect names. In summary, employer wellness programs do not realize justifiable improvements to justify their costs to operate. What they do well is to allow employers to shift costs to their employees and their family participants or pay the 30% penalty for your health care premium costs. Employers can coerce employees into participation or pick up their costs. Now, the 8,000-member Genetics Association is opposed to this bill because they believe that the bill will have harm to their young industry due to employer abuse. And that was the end of my brief notes. Okay, Dan, that was, that was, that was quite a uh, very uh, to-the-point uh, uh, report. I'll call it a report here. Uh, very good, too, by the way. Thank you very much for that information. This is a bill that's very dangerous, brothers and sisters, and general public Let listening. With, Go ahead. Yeah, as I explained to you before, I, you know, for a number of years I had dealt uh, in uh, multiple line insurance. So I dealt in commercial, personal liability cars, you name it. And uh, I see the repercussions it could have because I know how the insurance companies operate, health insurance companies I represented, uh, about 150 health and uh, life insurance companies, and I know the procedures that they use. Now, this particular program, 
again, it not only impacts you, it impacts your family. Because what happens is this thing morphs, and companies will, just like the insurance companies do, contact a medical reporting house. And they find out that you have a propensity toward any type of uh, uh, disease of some sort. They're going to try to jack your premiums or exclude you from coverage. Now, if you say, well, okay, that, that okay, now it also leads into uh, your finances. As an inst- for instance, say you decide to go out and buy a vehicle and you buy the uh, credit life on it in case you die. Well, in the event of your death, they can always come back and say, well, based upon your genetics test, what are you that's not covered because you have this prior condition within your genes or you have a high probability to incur this. Now, this will impact family members because, you know, the genetic testing will show that they have a propensity toward a certain thing. It would be not either employment, financial uh, uh, type situations would be disadvantageous to them. So this really does. This is probably some of the most severe, quietly passed legislation I've ever seen. It affects everyone. Agreed. And and likely in the future, it will – would you say, Dan, I'm going to ask you the question, in the future, do you see where it could uh, transcend into the employment uh, regarding your – uh, being able to secure employment because of a pre a genetic predisposition. Oh, most definitely, because that will be in, uh, stored in that information along with your medical records, and everything else can be shared with other people under this act. Right. Okay. Let me ask Jeff if he's got any questions for you. Jeff. I don't have any questions. No, I no. This is just everybody's got to start paying attention because it's all going to hell real fast. Um, think about your kids' futures. you got to take a stand right now against those who are working One against thing I would us. Like to say is, I'm sorry. One thing I would like to say, the reason I put this report together is try to get it out there to other workers. Contact your local, your state, and your federal house and state representatives. Let them know. You know, we know what you're doing, and we want it rescinded. We want it taken out. We want it done with. We won't have that kind of invasive intrusion or control upon us to coerce us to purchase or participate in whatever they decide to arbitrarily come up with with the intent of uh, trying to ship their costs to the employees. You heard him, brothers and sisters. Contact your legislators your House representatives, your senators, at all levels. You're right In this case, go right down to your local municipality or the township, village, city. Uh, go ahead and get a hold of your, your county. Uh, go ahead and get a hold of them and tell them what's going on and ask them to oppose this at every level because we're just, you know, individuals here. Some of the elected officials have a little more voice in this, and they have more contacts up and down the ladder than we do. So this is something that requires contacting everybody that is an elected official in these United States and telling them, 
no, not just no, hell no. And for those of you so predisposed, hell to the no. This is not acceptable. You heard it from someone that's very well versed in this in this issue and has been watching it since its inception. Dan, we're going to call him an expert in this arena of insurance. He brings a lot to this report, and we thank him for that. So, Dan, do you have anything else to add that you'd like to say? Well, I'd just like to comment on uh, Brother Art's report. Uh, you know, this is nothing new. We went, <clears throat> we went through similar type things with appeals procedures and credentials procedures way back, you know, back into the uh, 80s and 90s. It was a constant battle. Now, the UAW Constitution was enacted, and its inception was to bring justice to the average rank-and-file worker so as not to, you know, they can get justice without having to outlay fortunes for attorneys. But over the years, I've been involved in some major major lawsuits against uh, the corporations for uh, average workers. And the only time we found re, uh, uh, that we won was when we used a, a good labor attorney. Otherwise, they'll just blow you off. They'll ignore you. They won't answer things, uh, you know. But when you have a good labor attorney, and they know this, this costs you tens of thousands of dollars. So, therefore, they're going to try to roadblock you at every point. So that's why we always had a, a lawyer on retainer with our, our group so that whenever something popped up, he'd shoot it right off, and we won in every case. Now, the ones, again, that I saw that were stonewalled, this, that, and the other, we jumped in and helped, and they later won also. Okay. Good. Uh, you know, as you see, this is this is not new. Uh, as Dan's pointing out to us, and uh, it's always uh, a difficult battle. I know I took on the VIBA. We had two major law firms, uh, one out of Detroit, one out of Philadelphia, uh, and these were not $10,000 attorneys. These were the million-dollar type attorneys, and we still lost, uh, And but we we tried. Uh and I had another case that was uh, represented by a uh, uh, labor firm, well-known labor firm that went to the Supreme Court, uh, and we lost there too. So it's not a guarantee just because you have a labor lawyer, but you know you do have to take and fight those battles. And because uh, a lot of the attorneys are seeing that these judicial systems. Uh, and I just uh, had this conversation earlier today where we see prejudice in the law. Uh, and I said I'm, to him, I'm well aware of the judicial prejudices in the law. And we're seeing those right in our own public review board now. So uh, it's uh, interesting insight. And thank you, Dan, for that. Do you have anything else to add uh, before we move forward? Uh, no, that's all. I just wanted uh, all the workers out there to be aware of what's coming at them. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like you know, in answer to Herb, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a, a crystal ball, but you know, the writing on the wall is getting pretty clear. So, all right, That's thanks, Dan. Right. I'm gonna, these things. 
Go ahead. Way to morph. Well, I just say yeah. these, these things have a, a propensity to morph. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Uh, and and you know it's you know we're we're seeing the uh, potential for pensions be, being cut in half, even though we fought it and still fighting it. So we're take a look at that. Uh, for now, I'll put you back in listening mode. Thank you very very much for that very important report. Uh, and adding to the show this evening as a listener. Thank you very much, Dan. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You bet. Anytime. All right. And, and listen in next week. Might have some more. Okay. Uh, here we are. It's 24 after, a little bit longer. Uh, I do want to just get into this because we're on a health care thing tonight. Um, I said I'd have a little more uh, on the whole issue of the uh, Ryan health care plan and the UAW's position on it. First of all, the Ryan health care plan is, in the words of uh, President Dennis Williams, not going the right direction. This is not good for working men and, and women. Uh, it's a bad bill for working Americans and does take us in the wrong direction. Dennis Williams said, it's no good. The problem is, that's not enough. Saying it's no good is simply not enough. You missed the boat with Bernie Sanders. You missed the boat <laughs> with, with the, uh, the National Democratic Party. You missed the boat with Michigan State Democratic Party. You missed the boat locally here on a park that you allowed to be destroyed and went in and tried to get it destroyed, and it shouldn't have been. You got all of the people mad at it, unions over it. Let's turn that around a little bit. I think one way of getting unions in greater stead with average working Americans is if unions push the fact that every single American is entitled to national health care. Every other first world nation in the world has national health care. We as a team discussed it in our call late yesterday. We had a vigorous discussion about it. And we came up with the following. We intend to lead in this issue. Medicare resoundingly is the most efficient method of health care in our nation. Along with the Bernie Sanders crew and his position on national health care in the form of Medicare, we're going to push for that. We're not just going to say it's no good. We're going to go the next step and say we're going to offer something that's better. Tried, true, and proven. Let me announce for all to hear the Working for a Living caucus team in our call yesterday, 
unanimously stated, we support Medicare as the single-payer health care for everybody in our nation. And if our unions can push this through, guess what that's going to do for the reputation of unions in this country? We intend to influence policy in our own and other local unions and national unions for Medicare being the standard for health care for each and every person in our country. Remove the cap so the wealthy pay their share, each and every one making less than $127,000 a year, pays 100% into, of their wages, 14%, on 100% of their wages, into Medicare, into the health care plan. SSH, and those self-employed making less than 127000 also pay it. It is only fair that the wealthy among us pay their share of 14% on all of their money, 100% of their money as well. It helps balance the injustice of having money concentrated at the top and gives everybody in the nation national health care with money left over. Having said that, let me also say that our team realizes that some improvements need to be made even with Medicare. That there are standards that sometimes are asked to be met that can't be met by persons uh, seeking coverage, a threshold to be met. Some of those thresholds need to be adjusted. Regarding those in unions, as Medicare becomes their primary care, health care, it would be our position that unions step up and say, companies still would cover the portion of the, the covered, in other words, their um, deductibles at the beginning of the year and the 800 if they go to the hospital. They would still cover those and possibly a premium room for if they had a, a hospital care. So the insurance companies would still have a role in this. They're not going to be left out. They'll still have plenty of things to sell. This is a win for government. It's a win for unions. It's a win for everybody working for a living in our country, even the insurance companies. It is our position, again, I'll restate, our position to lead the nation from our little radio show and caucus for national health care in the name of Medicare for each and every person. Dennis Williams, you failed our membership by not having that sort of vision. And that's why you need to go. You and all like you.
You have no vision. You're just floating along in a sea of money, and we're tired of you. And all of, all like you, top to bottom. Having said that, I hope you see the value in Team Working for a Living Caucus as we move forward. Every UAW brother and sister, every AFL sister and brother, and each and every lady and gentleman in our country see the value that we're trying to bring to you. This is not self-serving. It is for the interest of our membership and this country at large. Having said that, Jeff, do you have anything to add to my report? No, you're spot on, as always. That's how the vote went. Didn't it go that way? Yep. That's how it went. Thank you. All of us agree. Appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, brother. Uh, as, you, as some may or may not know, it's not just old white men in our team. We have women in our team, some slated for leadership, some that are very supportive, some participate in the calls. This is not an organization, a caucus that doesn't have diversity. We do and we know and do keep our uh, people protected from attacks. There's typically three of us here that have withstood all of the attacks that you can possibly imagine, including up to and including home invasion or attempted home invasion. Threats of our on our life, and not me, others of the three of us. Not just me, I should say. So having said that, uh, Jeff, do you have anything to add uh, this evening to the the show, because we're about ready to close it up. We're an hour and a half now. So, now, um, just want to wish everybody a good week. Um, stay safe, and hope to see you back next week here on the show at seven o'clock. You bet. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, you know, as, as, <laughs> uh, we don't mean for this to be so negative. There's just so much negative stuff going on. And somebody has to stick, stand up and speak uh, out against it. But we really do try to do this in a positive way, and we, we, we typically have a little fun doing it behind the scenes. But when we report it, you know, we're serious. This is not a game. This isn't some Facebook game that a lot of people think they're going to try and play, you know, making little quick remarks. It's not a game. The very well-being of our union and our nation is at stake. And if we don't have good people standing up, then we're in a lot of trouble. So having said that, that's all I have to say on the show. I want to say uh, thanks to everybody around the world that listens. We have listeners in virtually every continent. Thank you. I want to shout out to our uh, Norway listeners, I didn't realize there's an island that's part of Norway 
about 300 miles north of Norway, way up above uh, that uh, the tip of the the uh, Scandinavian uh, area there. Uh, so thank you for listening. Uh, thanks to everybody else around the world that's listening, our friends in Canada, our friends in Mexico that listen, everybody around the United States. Uh, well, I'll, because we're long, I won't say every local union again tonight. Uh, our uh, emails working for a living at working for a living. Again, thanks to Herb for writing this week. We haven't heard from him in a while. Uh, you can catch us on Blog Talk Radio, working for a living. Dot, uh, uh, dot com, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and Player FM. Uh, workingforaliving.com has all those links on in the top right-hand corner. Uh, if you found value in this show, please tell just one person about it. I'm going to tell you, Dan's report alone is worth worth telling one other person to come and listen to this show tonight, last week's show, and future shows. July 31st, 2016 is a very enlightening show those of you that get the opportunity, please listen to that if you get a chance. Having said that, I'll say, listeners, good night. Stay safe throughout the next week. And I'll say good night, Jeff, and uh, say good night, listeners. And we're done for the night. Thanks, everybody, for staying with us. Good night, Jeff. Good night, Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.